Why do we do devos? Well, so that other brothers can come and exercise their gifts and so that we can hear from other people. I want to hear what God is doing in people's lives. I want, I want the brothers and ancestors to testify and to really uh, minister to our hearts as a family. Um, I was just reading in a, um, an email my buddy Reynolds sent to me. Love Reynolds. He's the crazy guy back in Georgia. He knows what I mean when I say crazy. Uh, he's just he's a nut for the king, man. He really loves God. He's just out of control. Uh, he's the guy who baptized like 15 people um, like the week he got back from Mexico when I lived with him out there. And he's raised up 15 house churches. Yeah, 15 house churches. The guy's like 25 years old, I think. Uh, somewhere in there, 24, 25, back in Georgia. He's just crazy for the king. And he goes for it. And I was reminded, he said, uh, man, the whole purpose of a house church is really to get together and testify the great things that God is doing. And I was like, that's awesome. That's what they do. They just get together and they talk about the great things that God is doing in their lives. I love hearing about the things that God is doing. And so uh, Justin's going to come share with us tonight. Justin Co, come, on, come up here, brother. Justin Co, we've had quite a relationship um, over the years. I met, we met through AA, huh? Yeah, we did. Actually, yeah. Did we meet through AA? Through Rich. Rich, yes. Uh, Rich was the president of AACF. Uh, that was, geez, years ago. It's a club over it on UCR campus. And um, and I met Rich, and I was speaking there at the club. And then uh, Justin took over. He was the president there. And so I got to know Justin for a while. And uh, he's just been such a blessing to me. And so I really wanted to hear his heart. I've actually never got to listen to him teach. And he's probably like, oh, great. Yeah. It's you know, We just get to listen and soak in the word. So let's welcome Justin Coe. Come on. Thanks. Well, Josh has never heard me teach ever, and uh, I have never taught, actually. Just kidding, Josh. <laughs> but uh, I don't know why you asked me to teach. I might forgive me if I speak blasphemy or anything wrong, but uh, come and rebuke me later. But uh, hey, let's turn to uh, Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Is that good? Is that really good? Wait, hold on. Is that good? <laughs> I'm going to just read it on my journal because I wrote it down. Just some thoughts I had. Um, not too structured. But here we go. Here we go. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord for giving us this coffee shop to come and meet. Lord, and we ask that uh, you would come down, that the clouds would break apart, Lord, the skies may break, and Lord, you, your spirit may just reign and come to this to this small shop, God. Father, I ask as we, we dive into your word, God, that our, our eyes may um, be enlightened, our hearts may be enlightened, God, that we would have uh, new eyes to see, new ears to hear, God. So would you guard my mouth? Uh, would you protect the things I say, God? may be clear, may be focused, and maybe not of my own words, God, but your spirit piercing the hearts of these. God, we thank you and we want to lift your name on high because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords, God. You will reign forever. God, we thank you. and pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Now, blessed is the man. Blessed. Now, the world, let's, let's, let's define blessed. The world says blessed is a person who's happy. Who's just, who's just happy. Maybe that's winning the lottery. Maybe that's, I don't know, um, 
What else? How, what are some things that are happy? Uh, what are some happy things? Maybe you, you got a new PS3 and, and you're really happy. But would you say that's really blessed? You know, maybe it's getting a new car. Maybe it's all these, maybe, maybe I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm wanting, I'm wanting. And I feel like the world tells that to be happy, we gotta be really self-centered. We gotta want things. We gotta need things. We gotta get things for ourselves. Now what the scripture says, what a, what a blessed man is, um, or what I, what I think a blessed man is, like a Christian who is blessed is a Christian, a Christian who, who is deeply in love with Christ who desires God, who understands that peace that transcends all understanding, who understands that he is a special, he is a chosen one. Before the foundations of the world were created, that God called you out of 6 billion, 6.8 billion people, he pointed you to be here at the, exact, at, at the same time I'm here, as my friends are here, as Josh is here, as Anthony, as Rachel, as we're all here together, diving into the word of God. And I think blessed is, desi- is that desire to know God and to be satisfied, to be fulfilled by Him. <sighs> All right, well, let's, let's, let's dive into what, what Jesus. What does Jesus talk about being blessed? And it says, "Blessed are the." This is in Matthew five. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. And guys, this is our aim. is to be satisfied. It's to be satiated by Christ. You know, and, and I think this, satisfy, this, this satisfaction is not a simple mere, you know, I'm, I'm going to a buffet and eating all you can eat and then being full till you can't breathe. But this satisfaction is, is, is deep, is, is full of joy. You know, like there's some people you just, you just walk on the street or maybe even your pastors and you know, all of a sudden they have this, this, this glow. You know, they just have this smile. They have this genuine authenticity because they have walked with the Lord and they have spent time with the Lord and you're just like, man, I want to hang out with those kind of people, you know. They just like emanate Christ-like love. Like everything they do is just... Those kind of people you want to be around with. I want to be around with. You know, it's... um. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness until they should be filled. I have a friend, um, he goes to UCR, and it's funny, I sometimes talk with him, I talk with him a lot, pray with him um, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, you know, every morning around 7 o'clock. And um, I was just talking to him one time, and I, and I asked him, like, hey man, like, how are you doing? And he comes to me and says, you know, Justin, like, I do not desire God as much as I should. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, who says that? Who says those kind of things? I don't desire God as much as I should. And I, it's taking me back, and I'm like, man, dude, I don't, I don't desire God enough, you know. Sure, you know, maybe Monday's apologetics group, Tuesday sips, Wednesday harvest, you know, uh, Friday night the well, Sunday night harvest again, or Sunday of harvest. You know, it's just like these are just church things. But I don't desire God between those, those those classes or on your on your work break as much as I should. To be satisfied by God is to be quenched, to be complete in Christ. To be made whole is to be blessed. Now, in this passage, there's three things. We're going back to Psalms chapter one. It says, "Blessed are those who blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers." There's three things: walk not, stand not, and sit not. All right. It says, "Walk not in counsel, stand not in, in path of sinners, and sit not in the seat of scoffers." Now, I'm thinking, who would who would take counsel of the wicked? You know, maybe 
who would take counsel of the wicked? But who are your friends? I want to ask. Who are, the, who are the people you surround yourself with? Is it your parents, maybe? Maybe your roommates? Maybe your coworkers? Maybe the people you, you chill with at the water cooler? Um, who are they? And, 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 and examine it. Do they, do they desire God? Do they, do they love God? Are they, are they spending time with Him in the mornings? You know, are they setting themselves apart? Are they, are they seeking holiness? You know, are they separating themselves from the rest of the world and desire to be in, in, a, in a love relationship with Christ? Who are these people? Um, you know, I often find myself uh, conforming to the to the friends that that I have, or to my roommates, or or to my parents. Even you know, how many people conform to their parents? You know, sometimes, unfortunately. Um, and when you conform to your friends, you start. Well, you start speaking the same things. You start having the same jokes like, you know, like Josh, oh, snap, you know. <laughs> you start talking the same, start speaking the same. You have the same inside jokes, and you begin to think the same. And that's where we should watch out, you know. I know we are called to be, to be light and salt of the earth, but to how much would we sacrifice ourselves? Would we even? I know sometimes uh, maybe, maybe you go out... I don't know. You hang out with a bunch of non-Christian friends, non-believing friends, you know, and he's like, you know what? I want to be, I want to minister to them. You want to minister to them. And you start spending every day with them, every day. And at first, you're, you're so set apart, you're so holy, but all of a sudden, you're starting to come across and you're, you're realizing that you start picking up some, some habits and some things that you shouldn't be picking up. And you start to see yourself drift apart. You know, it's, are you a tree planted by a stream? Drawing nutrients, drawing its energy, drawing its source, drawing everything that you need from the stream, from God. Can you make a stand for Christ? Can you, can you be set apart in that way? So it's important to have, to be, to surround yourself with people who influence you, who, who people who emanate that Christ-like love, who glow. You know, it's it's so important to be in that fellowship, in that fellowship. You know, there's three types of people in this world. It's the empowered, the empowered Christian, the carnal man, and despondent man. The empowered Christian, he understands grace. He understands, oh, he understands his sin. He understands that he is covered by grace. Now, the carnal man, there is no conviction. He goes around sinning in the world and nothing happens. He doesn't, he doesn't know that. He's, he's breaking the law. He's, he's, he's running away from God. And then there's the despondent, this despondent Christian. He acknowledges their sin in his life. He acknowledges that he knows he's walking away from God, but he chooses to plug his ears and close his eyes to ignore grace. To ignore grace. Now guys, we, we don't want to be that despondent, despondent Christian or that, or the carnal man. We want to be empowered by grace. We want to understand to walk in, in the Spirit, to walk in grace. How? Through the Holy Spirit, through conviction, through understanding, through revering His holiness. And when we start understanding His holiness, we start to understand the depravity of ourselves and how there's so many times in our lives we always choose the wrong. We tend to lean towards the wrong. And that, you know, without Christ, that we are nothing. We are nothing. 
and that, the, that we can't even be in the presence of God. But then you kind of understand that you have to accept it through, you have to accept Jesus in your heart and then you'll understand grace and then you'll be in the presence of God and then you will live with Him a life everlasting. You would see His face. You would spend time with Him. You would walk in the fellowship for the rest of eternity. Rest of eternity. And with that, again, there's two types of Christians. The dichotomous Christian and the trichotomous Christian. Dichotomous two, trichotomous three. All right, dichotomous Christian. This, this is a, dichotomous Christian is everything in the world is either sinful or not sinful. Right, sinful or not sinful. And the trichotomous Christian, he's, he's a guy who is, everything is sinful, not sinful, and holy. And holy. I often find myself being that dichotomous Christian. You know, it's it's uh, examine your lives. I mean, what do you what do you do during your spare time? You actually, actually, I have, I have another friend. Um, I was intervie- interviewing him for a, a leadership position in our fellowship, and I, and I asked him like, hey, you know, hey, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? What do you like doing for fun? You like playing video games? Like, do you like watching TV, basketball? What do you do? And he says, I like to pray. And I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing him. <laughs> it should be the other way around. Because I like to pray. I, I love. To turn off the TV and just seek the Lord by myself. You know, like sometimes we, we, set our, we, set our, we set some time apart. Like in the morning, I'm going to seek the Lord in the morning. And then the rest of the day is, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just meditate on that. But do we really? This guy is my friend. He's throughout the entire, he just, he just, he just loves praying. Loves spending time with the Lord. And that's where I want to be. So you may think like, what, myself, like what, what do I do? Is it, is it not sinful and sinful? I mean, Playing Counter Strike, that's not, that's not, <laughs> it's not sinful. Playing basketball with somebody, that's not sinful. But again, is it, is it pursuing holiness? Is that that trichotomous question? Is it gearing, girding our minds towards the things of God, things above? Is it? Um, and here are some things that I, I think that we could really hone on, hone in on. Like, would you rather, would you rather spend 30 minutes watching TV? A sitcom show. Or would you rather spend 30 minutes praying for the lost? Praying for your neighbor? Praying for your coworker who just lost his job or something? Praying for your, for your future spouse? Just 30 minutes. Or, th- or another 30 minutes reading your word. Would you spend two and a half hours watching a movie? Or going to a midweek Bible study? An apologetics class on Monday night? Or feeding the homeless on Thursday nights on a corner of, of Blaine in Kansas. Feeding them, clothing them, playing with the children, teaching them, showing them the love of Christ. Just two and a half hours. Would you, would you rather spend a life of trivial pursuit, trivial, th- trivial accomplishments, things that don't matter, things that are not eternal, or would you, pers- would you rather pursue holiness, fixing your eyes upon Jesus and the things that are everlasting. I mean, again, everything is everything is permissible, but is everything beneficial? That's something I want to look at. You know, it's examine yourselves. Are you pursuing holiness, or are you just living a life that just passes by? You know, next time when you watch that movie with your friends or or go out or something, it's is this pleasing to God? Is this is this in accordance of of, of His will? Is it is it pursuing holiness? Is this what I'm doing? Or is it just okay? It's just okay. Again, everything is, everything is permissible, but is not everything beneficial?
And I'll end with this familiar saying from our buddy Josh. If we aim at nothing, we'll hit it every time. You guys, let's not, let's not aim at nothing. Let's aim at, at his righteousness and his holiness and seek first his kingdom. Let's pray. And Father, we come before you, knowing again you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the presidents of presidents, the CEO of CEOs, God. You are the sovereign one. You are the holy one, God. And Lord, we ask your spirit may come down in our lives and our hearts. Lord, that we may be satisfied, be satiated, be quenched by you, God. Because we want to hunger for your righteousness, Lord. And it says in your scripture that if we hunger for your righteousness, Lord, we will be filled, we will be satisfied. This deep understanding of satisfaction, God. So help us, Lord, may we fix our eyes upon you day by day, even moment by moment, God. Help us to love you even more, to desire even more, God. Because we love you and we thank you for your grace and your son, Jesus. For your son, Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Wow. One of my uh, favorite scriptures, Psalm 1, and uh, one that I think at least every man needs to have it memorized, um, and I can't say that I do. It's on my list to memorize. The whole chapter, it's only six verses, man. It's a piece of cake. And it's something that we should have hidden in our hearts. Guys, for men, I'm speaking, this is your Proverbs 31. You know, This is your chapter here. Um, but it applies to all. It does very clearly. And what a challenge, you know, when you really take time into perspective and see where you're spending it and what you're doing. Um, gosh, the man that is a tree planted by the waters is going to be blessed. The one who's doing things of God, it's just going to happen in your life. Bottom line, you don't even have to try. It's just going to happen. And I like that. Really striving after holiness, really striving after something more. You really see that in the Christian church today. You just see some people who just say are very stagnant. And hey, they just don't sin. It's like, okay, it's sin, I don't sin. Okay, I'm good. Which is good. But there is almost no drive to move forward in their walks with God. I don't know if you know, but you were in a sanctification process. What does that mean? It's the process of when you be become a Christian or you give your life to God and God gives you heaven, now that time between now and when you die, that God is working in you, working perfection in you. Hey, you're never going to stop sinning, but as a Christian, you should sin less and less and less. It's true. You should be striving to be like Christ. You should be growing closer to Him. And I don't know how that works exactly when we get to heaven. I know that everything, all of our works will actually be counted. Yes, they will. Everything you do. Uh-huh. First Corinthians 3 talks about a house that everyone builds with the works that they do. You can either have a house that is built with gems and gold and precious jewels, or a house that's built just with hay, stubble, and wood. And it says that the fire of God will be put upon your house and that it will... If it stands to test the fire, what is left will be left, and that is what you will have to show. 
And the Gospels speak about kingdoms that will be ruled over. I don't know how this works. But some will be ruling over two kingdoms. Some will be ruling over three. Some will be ruling over ten. How does that? Some will be ruling over none. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says you can suffer loss in heaven. Yeah. But I thought that every... It just No, no, you can't... For the person who desires to do whatever they want in this life, as a Christian, hey, you will lose. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I have a license to sin because God's just going to keep forgiving me for the rest of my life. That's true. But your works will be weighed when you get to heaven. And so you can't run around sinning and doing whatever you want, or you will be the least. I don't know how that works, but it says you can suffer loss in heaven. Um, I don't think God's looking for an outward show of how much you do. I think he's looking for a heart that's turned towards him, that's all. And one that is turned towards him will be making the steps to be like him. Jesus is a picture of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. That's it. Be like him. Take on his attributes. And you will be blessed, just as Justin said. What a sweet word. I remember doing a message called The Recipe for Happiness. Uh huh. It is just what he had said. You follow the commands of the Lord, you strive to be holy, you strive to be set apart and to draw close to him. You're going to be happy. You're going to be blessed, bottom line. So what a great word. Amen? And Father, we pray that you would teach us and help us to be like you, to walk as you walked. We need your help, King. We can't do it without you. But we know that it is the only way that will bring us blessings and life in that abundantly. And so, Lord, we desire to be blessed because it's the only way to live. Thank you for this life. We pray that you bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mean, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Saul, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 48. Yes, Isaiah chapter 48. We are not actually in, um, I'm sorry, let me turn here real quick. Mm-hmm. Isaiah chapter 48, we would actually be in 46 uh, today, I believe, uh, as, as far as reading day, but I jumped ahead. Um, because, man, it is just a powerful chapter that I cannot let go of. I feel like I've been uh, trashing us with good times of judgment and judgment and more judgment. As I say, you know, I mean, to really bring more judgment upon us, uh, I figured we'd bring a couple blessings and a little bit of grace for tonight. And so uh, that's what we'll be looking at is Isaiah chapter 48. Uh, what a great chapter. And so, Father, we ask that you would reveal to us your word. As we open it, we ask that it would speak to our hearts and challenge us, convict us, open our eyes to see exactly what you would have. Uh, we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 48, starting in verse 1. Are you there? Yes. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 1. Uh, for those of you who have not been here with us, if you don't know who Isaiah is, he is a prophet of God. 
what does a prophet do? He speaks truth. He speaks the words of God. Um, what kind of guy is this guy? He's crazy, man. Uh, not literally. He's not some mad you know, guy that needs to be in a loony bin. No. But he is radical for God. Um, I believe he walks around, it said, for three years or so, naked proclaiming the truth of God. Now, that's pretty crazy. Um, God instructs him to, and he goes for it, and he does it. Man, I can't even imagine. But he does. He makes a stand for God. He brings judgment upon the people. He speaks truth. He does not back down. He says exactly what is need to be said. And he speaks also prophecy. He tells the future a little bit. And he also gives great praises unto God in this book. That's what we've been seeing chapter after chapter. And last week, if you remember, he was the one who came to Hezekiah. Do you remember? The king. A righteous king. He came to the king and told him exactly what God had told him to say. And that was what? You're going to die. Kyle, that's right. You're going to die. He told Hezekiah straight to his face. Hezekiah was sick, and he looked him in the face and said, you're going to die. And what did he do? Remember, Hezekiah fell on his face, crying, weeping. Oh, God, don't let me die. So what did God say? All right, you don't want to die? I'll give you 15 years. And the way to prove that is I will turn the sundial back 10 degrees or 45 minutes. And God did that, and the sign was there. What ended up happening in the last 15 years of his life made the biggest mistakes of his life, didn't he? Two big mistakes. Number one, he lost his kingdom. Because he had showed the king of Babylon everything in his kingdom. What a fool. You don't allow the enemy to come in. But he did. And Isaiah called him out and said, What did you do? The prophet that we're speaking about tonight. What did you do? He said, I showed the king of Babylon everything that I had. Why would you do? You crazy? You showed him everything? Yeah, I showed him everything. Okay. Because you've done that, you will lose your kingdom and your own children will serve the king of Babylon. And what does Hezekiah say? What you have said is good. How could he say that? He says, what you have said is good. I believe he said that because, remember, the first thing that God said to him, you will die, he said, no, that's not good. But he got 15 years and he ruined his life. And so the next thing God said to him is, you're going to lose everything. He says, you know what, God? Despite the fact that I don't like it, it is good. And we learned last week that we are not to pray our will, but God's will be done always. Gimme, 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 I want 15 years. Careful. You may make the biggest decisions of your life. Our prayers should not be, God, give me. Our prayer should be, God, what do you want to give me? What is it, Father? So Isaiah, a radical one. Can you imagine going to the king? Can you imagine walking up to the President of the United States, looking him in the face? Hey, you're going to die. Really? Seize him. Put him in jail. CIA jumps on you, puts you in a headlock. Uh-huh. Isaiah did what he was supposed to, and he proclaims the truth to Israel here in chapter 48. You there? Starting in verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel. Did you hear that? Who is he speaking to? House of Jacob, who is called what? Israel. What does Israel mean? Governed by God, Aaron. Yes, governed by God. Do you remember what Jacob meant? Heel catcher, yes. He was a conniver, man. He was this little sneaky snake he was. Remember he stole his brother's blessing? Remember his brother came out from the wilderness all hungry one day? Esau? Esau means what? Harry? Harry? Remember he's just this beast. 
of a man. He's a real man's man, okay? His, uh, his name is Harry, okay? Harry comes out of the jungle, wherever he's at, like, ah. And Jacob says, or he says, I'm hungry, and he beats his chest. He doesn't really do that. I made that up. He's hungry, and he beats his chest. And Jacob says, hey, I got some porridge for you. Jacob's a little, you know, witty, kind of like clean guy, you know, that's there in the house, never got his hands dirty in his life. He makes some soup. He says, hey, brother, I got some soup for you. If you give me your blessing, I'll give you some soup. And he's like, I don't need a stinking blessing. Give me that soup. And so he's like, whatever. He gives his blessing away, and he takes the soup. What is the blessing? The blessing is the entire inheritance of what Father would give you because you're the firstborn. Yep. He gives it away for a bowl of soup. What a fool. He does that. And uh, Jacob, a little sneaky snake, he, he, he took it from his brother, worked him. And Jacob did that all the days of his life. But guess who he couldn't get away with? God. Remember, he wrestled with God. He tried to. I don't know how that worked. But he wrestled with God in some way, shape, or form. And God, do you remember what he did? He touched his hip when Jacob was trying to be sneaky on God. I won't let you go till you bless me. Oh, okay. Boop. Touched his leg. Popped it out of the joint. And he said, from now on, your name will be Israel. And you'll be blessed. But your name will be Israel, which means what? Governed by God. Changed Jacob's name from sneaky snake to Governed by God. And I guarantee that Jacob, I wouldn't be surprised if he walked around and limped the rest of his life, remembering that he is now governed by God, dependent on God. You know, my knee has just gone out over the last uh, six months, I guess. I'll never forget the night. It was Halloween. I was at a party. And uh, one of those crazy Christian parties is just crazy. <laughs> and... uh we were dancing the night away, goofing off. And I don't know what I did, but I messed my leg up bad. And it pops out of the socket all the time now. And I always think about that, like, Father, you do this to cripple me just to remind me. Just to let me remember that I'm not invincible. I can't just do whatever I want anymore. Almost like I'm governed by God. I am. But he calls them Israel, and he calls his people Jacob. That's where it comes from. O house of Jacob, that's where it comes from. You little sneaky children, you, but you are Israel. I govern you. Yes. He says, hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, okay, governed by God, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in righteousness. For they call themselves of the holy city and stay themselves upon the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts in his name. He says... You guys claim me and, and represent me all the time. You say that you are the house of Israel. You say that you serve the God of Israel. You say that you are part of the city of God, yet not in truth and not in righteousness. Reminds me of a nation that I know very well. Hmm, let me think. America? A nation that says they are governed by God. In God we trust. Put your hand on the Bible when you go into a courthouse. Um, God bless America. Um, we love to say this all the time, yet we reject his truth, don't we? What kind of nation is this? 
You see it all the time in the church. I see Christians all the time. Do you know, this might be a check to your heart, do you know that you could be sitting in the church, going to church week in and week out, and not be a Christian? Do you know that you could even read your Bible and pray and not be a Christian? Yes. Because you have not submitted yourself to God in His ways and what He wants. There are many people running around saying, I'm a Christian, yet they live contrary to what the Bible teaches. They live in sin. How could you be in the light and in the darkness at the same time? How can you say that you love God with all your heart, yet you sin time and time again? It doesn't work. You you can't live. Jesus said it clearly. You're either for me or against me. You're not like in the middle. You're either completely for me or against me. Now, I was raised in the church, and I wasn't for God. Okay? There came a time in my life when I woke up, when I said with my mouth, God, I will give you all that I am, everything. I give you my life. Now, just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care. Oh, that's good. You're just like everybody else in America. Let me ask you this. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a slave to God? Have you bowed the knee and he is your Lord and master and king? Does he rule your life? That's a Christian. You give up your life. You give up what you want for the sake of the king. Uh Uh-huh. And Israel, Israel was saying in that day, we have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on our side. Yeah. Hey, we're Israel, governed by God. And we love to do that, America, when we get in trouble, huh? When 9-11 hits, we love to say, God bless America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but hey, when things are going good, hey, God who? Get him out of here. We don't need God. But when tragedy hits, it's true. They say that there's no atheists in foxholes. I can't remember who was saying that, but I think it was Rolf Reese not too long ago when I was hearing him at a pastor's conference. You know, he served in Vietnam. And he said, it's true, out there on the field, everyone believes in God. Everyone Because they know they're ready to die at any moment. They're not shaking their fist at God. It's true. But Israel, even though they did, they they were not in the truth and not in righteousness. They called themselves of the holy city. They saved themselves upon the God of Israel and the Lord of hosts in his name. Do God a favor. If you don't live like a Christian, don't call yourself one. Okay? Do me a favor too. Honestly, family, don't do it. If you're a jerk at your workplace, don't call yourself Christian. You're ruining it. You're you're, you're taking the name of God and throwing it in the puddle. If you're a jerk to your parents, don't call yourself a Christian. Because Christians don't do that. And Christ would never do that. And you're representing Him. Okay? Now, we all fail. We all screw up. Yeah, we we all mess up. But you know the difference between living in habitual sin and being set apart for God and desiring to do what is right. There is a big difference there. The Church of America has got to wake up. It's going to be amazing when they do take In God We Trust off the coin and off the dollar. It's going to be a crazy day for us. It's going to be a crazy day when the Bible is thrown out of the courtroom. It's going to be a crazy day when, hey, I can't even proclaim the truth like this anymore. I'll be arrested 
The day will come, I guarantee it. And those who are Christians will stand and will be willing to lay down their lives for what they believe. Israel wasn't at this time, but I ask that you would be. Verse 3, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth out of my mouth and I showed them. I did them suddenly and they came to pass. God speaking through Isaiah the prophet. He says the things that I said would happen, happened. Look at verse 4. But I knew that thou art obstinate or hard. Thy neck is iron sewn and thy brow brass. I like this. I love the King James. It says your neck is stiff. <laughs> it's like iron and your eye, your brow is like brass. Okay. You're, you're, you're hard headed. It's saying you're stubborn. You're a stubborn people. I love the description here. You ever seen someone who's stiff-necked? They're kind of like, you know, they raise up their neck all stiff. You know, it's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I ain't backing down, you know? It's like classic picture. I love it. Iron, the iron neck. I should start using that. When people don't like what I have to say, also they stiff. Iron neck. I see that. Iron neck. Stiff enough, stubborn, dig their heels in the ground. And, and let this be just a quick note. That when God says something to you and you dig your heels in and be stubborn, you're making a big mistake. Because God is never wrong. Uh Uh-uh. You are wrong. And what will happen is, if you have a view, me and uh, Buddy Jay, you know, we're having even this issue just a little bit today. If you have a view um, that is something that is contrary to what the Word of God says, your view is wrong. No, 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 stiff neck, iron neck, iron neck. No, it's not. Okay, Um, you can go there if you so choose. But I'm telling you that God will be right in the end, always. What if you don't think it's right, and what if you don't think it's fair? My question to you is, why do you think that you know what is fair and what is right? What made you God and boss? You don't know. And how do you know if you know? You can't. Because your body, you desire to do bad over and over and over. You have to try very hard to do good, don't you? You have to work hard at it. You have to fight against yourself to do what is right. You don't see people helping out old ladies day and night. No. You see people running around in wickedness because that's what's easy. And so if wickedness flows from you, even through your mind and your humanistic views, what is in you? is what will come out all the time. You must be aligning yourself with the Word of God. It is the only thing that is perfect and right and just all the way through. Change your mind. Get your your mind focused on the things of the Word. Do not be stiff-necked. There's more wisdom in this book than I could ever share with you. There's more wisdom in this book than any old man could ever tell you. All of it is here. Have you ever seen a Christian who really lived, really lived Christianity, have a bummed out loser life? I've never seen one. There's a woman that I know who lives like a Christian. She's an old woman, I think maybe 76. Her husband is 78 and her husband just had a real hard time this last week. He was out working in the yard. This guy is a machine. He walks fast everywhere that he goes. 
He's very quick about things. Just like, you know, he's 78. He's just like, he's a machine, man. He just keeps going. His wife, this meek, beautiful, awesome woman of God who goes and ministers to the prisons has been doing it for years. Goes in to speak to the murderers and she sings to them. And she preaches the word of God. Loves on them. Always trying to welcome homeless people into her house, but her husband has to close the door and say, absolutely not. She just, and guess what happened? Her husband, it gets very, very scary this last week. And he falls over while he's doing uh, yard work and he passes out. She calls the ambulance and he goes to the emergency room there and they're working on him, whatever they had to do. And of course, her daughter, who is, I think, uh, maybe in their 40s or early 50s, something like that, is crying and worried. And mom is just saying what? Don't worry, honey. Everything's okay. The Lord knows what He's doing. A powerful woman. Someone who loves God. Who is genuinely changed forever. Who walks in peace. Who who in, has peace in her hands. Has it deep within her soul. Nothing will move this woman. I'm gonna, that's what I need to do. I need to have her come testify in here one time, huh? She's power, I'm telling you. I told Aaron, who is her daughter, Aaron, I've got to come and record her singing hymns. I gotta get that on CD. Because I guarantee that her soul, her voice will soothe my spirit every time that I hear it. Because she is a woman who fears God and I guarantee that as her soul sings to God, it would bless anyone who hears it. I'm like, I gotta get those hymns. I gotta get that. So I'm gonna go and have dinner with them soon. But that's a true Christian. Not stiff-necked at all. Just desires all of the things of God. She is drink of this word all the days of her life. And hey man, she's blessed. She's. I want a life like that. Yes, back to being stiff-necked. Are you there? Look at verse 5. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Therefore it came to pass, I showed it to thee, lest thou shouldest say, Mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will not ye declare it? Have showed thee new things, from this time even hidden things, and thou dost not know them. Hold on real quick here. God's calling out the, the children of Israel a little bit here. Why? He's saying this. He's like, look, did I not say things and they come to pass? Did I not prophesy and it, and it happened? Did I not tell you that you will be set free from Egypt? Did it not happen? Did I not tell you that I would take you all the way into the promised land? Did it not happen? God has testified truth and it has come to pass. Now this is the thing what he's saying. He's saying, look, don't you dare try to go to your idols and say that they did these things. Don't you dare look to the things that you have made, like a golden calf or some kind of image, and say, this is what is pulled through. God is declaring, what I have said has come to pass. And a lot of times people try to give credit to places that don't even deserve it. God deserves the credit. And I hope that you would always be giving credit to God in your own life. 
Always. What does that mean? You know, as many times as I say it over and over and over, people walk up, hey, Josh, thanks for the word. Hey, praise God, man. Man, that was a really great time of worship. Praise God. You need to praise God for that. Yeah, I know, Josh. I know you want me to praise God and stuff, but you're really, you know, you're, just, you're gifted at what you do. You're really diligent to the Lord, and I just want to thank you for that. No, no, no. You need to praise God because I know who I am. And I appreciate, I do, I really do, I appreciate the words that are being spoken. I'm not like, don't ever do that. No, it's really an encouragement, a blessing to me. But you've got to remember and understand that there is no image, there is no man, there is no person that deserves glory at all, ultimately. It is God who does good things. There's nothing good that can happen on this earth unless God has brought good. It will not happen. And I see people do it all the time. They love to take credit for themselves. Love it. There's three things that a man should never touch or a woman should never touch. Don't ever touch the glory. Don't ever touch the money. And don't ever touch the sex. Three things that will destroy you. Three things that will destroy anyone in leadership very quickly. Three things that will destroy anyone, doesn't matter where you are, who you are, quickly. Don't touch the glory. Don't touch the money. Don't touch the sex. The women or the men, don't do it. You'll be in big trouble. It will dismantle you very quickly. God's glory, which he'll tell us, God's glory is a big deal. And people trying to take it or give it to other Images of any kind, big, big deal. Remember the first sin ever committed in the history of sin. Not in the garden, think back farther. Lucifer. I want to be like the Most High. Whoa! Big trouble. To take God's glory, it's not even worth it. Think about it. In any way, shape, or form. How do you recognize God's glory? Recognize all the things that God has done for you in your life. Maybe there's some of you here tonight, you have no clue, you're not thankful, you don't even desire or admire God. How do you do that? Go home and write down 100 things that you are thankful for. Go home and do it, I dare you. I had to do it. I have them written in my journal right here. I could start reading them to you. Yeah. Hmm, where is that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's somewhere here, close here in the end, the beginning. Come on, Josh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for Dennis G. What a friend. For breaking us. For being there for us, for making us yours, for sitting with us, for being my friend, for comforting us when we're down, the feeling I receive when I worship you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the wind on my back. Thank you for the cool breeze, the sandals on my feet. Thank you for the clothes you've brought me. Thank you for the beautiful mountains around me. Thanks for the Gatorade in my hand, for song. Thank you for the ability to be able to play an instrument, for the notebook I write in, for never leaving me, Lord, for getting me, getting my path 
getting me on my path every day, for listening to me, for wiping my tears, for giving me rest, for giving me peace in my heart, giving me contentment in life, for being my pillar that holds me up, being my strength, being my refuge, for all the guys here in the pit crew, for the beautiful animals, for the green grass, for the hard times so I will cling to you, for the ability to walk. And I go on and on and on. I just sat there one day and just started journaling there when I was in Mexico. And it really wakes you up, man, to recognize you got nothing to really offer. God has given you everything that you have. Don't ever give glory to any idol, ever, he tells Israel. Verse 7, they, were, they are created now and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou shouldest say, Behold, I knew them. It's like they got nothing. It's not them who have done anything. Verse 8, Yea, thou heardest not, yea, thou heardest not. Yea, from that time that thine ear was not open, for I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. God says, I knew. I knew you would not listen. I knew you would not stay focused from the very womb. But nine, even though I knew that you would rebel, for my name's sake will I defer my anger. And for my praise I will refrain for thee that I cut thee not off. Did you hear that? God says, for my very name's sake, I will not pour out my anger and my wrath upon you so that you recognize who I am, my grace and my mercy. You know what a lot of people in the world think God is? A big jerk in the sky who wants to take away all the fun. They think he's a big loser, big grumpy guy up there throwing down lightning bolts. That's the way the world views God. They think that he hates. And that he's such a wicked king. Look at this. A lot of people say, man, I wish God was just. He's not very just. He's not very fair at all. Oh, really? You want him to be fair, huh? What if he held, a, held you accountable for everything you've ever done wrong? Oh, snap. That's not fair, huh? Why does he let you go? You know the times you've done wrong. You know those times that no one has ever heard about, no one's ever seen, those times when you've done wrong. I look at my life, you know, I was that sneaky guy. I got away with everything. I never got in trouble. My dad always thought I was the greatest kid. But what he didn't know is I was a sneaky snake like Jacob. Jacob's my younger brother. He always got caught. That's his name, Jacob. But I always got away with it. I would always plan. I used to steal so much. And I would map out a full store. I would walk in and I would see what would be the best way. Why would I steal? I would take the merchandise, come back and bring it back and say, you know, I don't have my receipt. Can I get the cash back for this? They would give me cash. They'd give me store credit and I'd buy whatever I want. I would work the system on so many angles and I never got caught. God was gracious to me. There are so many things that I've done that none of you will ever know. Why didn't God let me Why isn't he fair? If he was fair, he'd let me get lit up for those things, wouldn't he? No, God is not fair in the way that you think he should be fair. He has been fair and he has been just, but in a different way. All those things that I was supposed to be tortured for and put down for and punished for, guess who was punished? Jesus Christ, our King. 
Yes, God was fair, but he put the blame and the judgment upon someone else. It's incredible. A lot of people think, man, God's just such a big meanie. You are missing it. You do, you've not read the Bible. You have no clue who God is. People say that all the time out on the street. Oh God, if God was a God of love, then why would... They? It's just like, have you even read the Bible? Just once. Just please read through it just once. And when you've read through it, then we will talk. And until you have, then you cannot say anything. And you have no clue who the God is that I serve. He is a gracious king. And he has held back his own anger for his namesake. That's who God is. He holds it back for his own namesake. And it says here, verse 11, do you see it? For my own namesake, even my own name, will I do it? For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory to another. Did you see that? I will not give my glory to another. No one. No one. No one. God's dead serious about His glory. And I fear for the person who desires any kind of fame or riches in being a pastor or ministering to people. You're in big trouble. Don't even try it ain't about money. It ain't about being rich. Nope. If it was about that, then why did every single one of the disciples, minus Judas, who's dead, and the Apostle Paul live in poverty? And Jesus himself. The guys who started our very the very church you see today. It ain't about that. It ain't about being cool. It ain't about being in the spotlight. The man that stands here in the pulpit, the man who stands and speaks for the mic will be judged even heavier than all because he is supposed to be speaking the truth of God and you are trusting him and you are listening. And so the person who takes advantage of you, who takes your money, the person who manipulates you to do things for their own sake and for their own glory, big trouble. Very big trouble. For God says, I will share my glory with how many? None. No one. He's very clear about that. And he says there in verse 12, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called, I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Did you hear that? I am the first and I am also the last. Did you hear God say that? I am the first and I am the last. Interesting. Let's turn to, uh, I believe it's Revelation chapter, is it 1? No. Go ahead and turn there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Revelation chapter 1. It is the last book in the Bible. Last book. Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. Are you there? This is Jesus speaking. Wait, let's start in verse 9 so we can get this context here. You see it? I, John, who am I, uh, your brother and compassion, um, companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle called Patmos, or an island. The word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ came to him. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard me a great voice as a trumpet saying, What? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Interesting. 
What thou see, write a book and send it in the seven churches, which are Asia. This is Jesus speaking himself. You look at the context of this book. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is actually saying, what? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Turn back over there. You got your finger still in uh, Isaiah 48? What does it say there in verse 12? Hearken unto me, O Jacob, Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I am also the last. Interesting. There is a sweet connection there. For those who try to say Jesus Christ is not God, um, then who is saying this? Um, Jesus just said there in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, that I am the first and the last. And God is declaring through Isaiah, I am the first and the last. It's very clear. And he is the first and he is the last and there is none other. There is no other God in the world. There is none. Not even one. There is no other God but the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, our King. Verse 13, are you there? Mine hand also laid the foundation of the earth. Interesting. And my right hand has spanned the heavens. Wow. That is a huge... Okay, let's just try to take this into consideration really quickly before we move on. My hand also has laid the foundation of the earth. You there? Isaiah is saying, laid the foundation of the earth. God speaking. How big is the foundation of the earth? Um, big? <laughs> just a little bit. Okay. How big is the heavens? How big is the universe? And look at how, look at how, uh, just casually God says this. Yeah, my hand also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spanned the heavens. When I can unto them, they stand up together. God supports it all. God brings it together. God declares that a lot of times just to establish who he is and what he does. Okay? Look at verse 14. All ye, assemble yourselves in here, which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arm shall be on the Chaldeans. Now, this is a prophetic word of Christ, but it is more a uh, reality of Cyrus, the king there in that time. But look at verse 15. I even I have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Okay? Obviously speaking um, about Christ. Look at verse 16, though. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. He says, God says, come, come near to me and hear this. Okay, this is big. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit has sent me. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Are you ready to receive this? Thus saith the Lord the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shalt goest. Did you hear this? He is the Lord thy God, which do what? Teach you how to profit, number one, and teaches you which way you should go. Now, whatever happened to that God that everybody speaks about, this big meanie in the sky who basically doesn't love people, and just hates and discriminates and all the above. What God are you speaking about? What, what about this one here? The one who says, I will teach you to profit 
and I will lead you by the way that you should go. And that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Oh, oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. I don't know if you have the King James Version, but there's an exclamation mark there. Did you see that? That's the first time I've ever seen an exclamation mark in the King James ever in my life. I've had this Bible for like three. It's the first one I've ever seen. I'm like, whoa, that's a foreign symbol. I've never seen that before. But but they, I mean, that must really, the, the guys who are translating the King James Version must have really wanted this. And it must have really been emphasizing something very strong. Why would they put that there? It says, Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandment. Or, Oh, that you would hearken to my command. Then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Did you hear that? God is giving us a special word here. He's saying this, family. Stay with me, please. He's saying, if you would hearken and keep my commands, if you would just listen, if you would go the way that I tell you, and if you would do the way that I teach you, you would have peace and you would have rest in your life. The majority of the things that come along in your life are because of you. You must recognize. Because of the way that you've acted, because of the way that you have done, because of the way that you have lived. I love when I run into people who are just like, gosh, man, life is just so bad. You know, it just doesn't, you know, nothing is working out for me. Do you have a job? No. But, but I mean, I, I just, I had a job. What happened? I got fired. Why'd you get fired? Well, you know, you know, the, the boss kind of didn't like me. I said, why didn't he like you? Well, you know, because, you know, I, I don't know, you know, kind of didn't get along with the employees. Well, why didn't you get along with the employees? I'm sure you dig deeper and deeper and you find out the problem is them. And as I look back on my life, and if I'm honest, the majority of bad things that happen in my life are because of me. Because I do not listen to what God tells me to do. Because I choose to do my own thing. You want to know why you don't have peace? It's because you're not being obedient to the Word of God. God says that His ways... That his commands will bring bring peace upon a person's life. And it's true. You wonder why there's not peace. It's because you do not obey his commands. Yes, I do. Oh, really? Go sell everything that you have. You sound like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. How do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? I've kept all the commands. I'm doing everything that God tells me to do and I still don't have it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God is not a liar. And it's either you or Him. He says if you obey His commands that life will work and be peaceful and restful. If you don't have peace and rest, there's something going on. And you've got to examine that. You've got to figure that out. Isn't it hard sometimes, family, to figure out what's going on in our lives? You've got to dig deep. How do you do that, Josh? You go be quiet before God. Go sit down and ask Father to show you. Go take out your journal and, and write out, Father, what is it? What is wrong with me? Search me, O God, and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139. David, do you remember? Sit down before Father. Father, why don't I have peace? Why don't I have rest? I went to spend time with God just uh, a few days ago. 
I climbed my little hill, and I was sitting there, and I went there to talk to him about um, something that I was teaching. And as I sat down on the rock and I started to open my heart and talk to the Father, I recognized that I could not speak. I could not even start to discuss certain things because there was something wrong. And I was like, Father, I just, I, I don't feel like I can talk. I just be open with you. There's something wrong. And as you started to open my heart and reveal, he's like, well, we need to talk about this. What's going on over here? And so I just start laying it out, laying it out, laying it out. There's something else. I just start laying it out, laying it out, laying it out. Getting those things settled. No wonder you don't have peace. I guarantee that there are many here in this room who have things piled and piled and piled upon your life and upon your heart that you haven't got dealt with with God. No wonder you have deep anxieties that you don't even know about. You don't know why you even feel stressed. You feel like the world is upon you. Go and sit before God and allow Him to speak to you. Allow Him to open your eyes to the things that need to be dealt with. You can't move on to anything else in life until you get things dealt with. God says, if you hearken to my commands, you'll have peace. You'll have peace just as the river. I like that picture. You ever been by a river just flowing? Just a little stream, you know, there with the rocks, you know, it's kind of just going down. You ever been in nature? I love nature. I love being outdoors. I love that stuff. You're like, not me, Josh. Okay, well, well, we should go on a hike or something, all right? You know, to teach you the ways. I love getting out there and just sitting. I could sit by a river for hours and do what? Just sit. Just sit and enjoy it and just be at rest and just be at the beach. Oh man, my favorite thing. I go surf and just get wiped out and just, I just lay on the sand. I don't care if there's sand all over my back and my hair. I, I don't have hair, but if it was in my hair, you know, just, I don't even care. Just get this kick back and just enjoy. Just relax. Peace. That, 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 just the waves. It says yes there. Doesn't it say it? Ah yes, righteousness as the waves of the sea. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah. Anytime a wave is mentioned in the Bible, that's awesome, okay? Don't know why, but that's just awesome, okay? Yeah. Verse 19, thy seed also has been as the sand in the, the offspring of thy bowels, like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. There's a couple times when God spoke about wiping these people out. Because they're so rebellious. And you know, if you look at how patient God is with you, you will see, we deserve just to be wiped. I mean, look at how much He puts up with. Look at how much you sin and do your own thing and, and don't pay attention and kind of walk away. A brother I was talking to today was just talking about the fact that God sends you text messages every day. How many do you ignore? And I was just thinking about that like snap. He's like, through the Word of God, God is constantly sending you text messages. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you a word. He wants to set you free. And it's just, you just ignore them all. You ever do that? I do that all the time. Don't text me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're the one, Josh. Um, I don't respond for like two or three days, you know, to get back. It's just like, what are you talking about? I don't even remember what I texted you about. But God is sending us messages all the time. We just hit the ignore button all the time. He is such a patient God. If you treat your wife or your husband the way you treat God, divorce, baby. Because 
God has been so gracious and so good. And I've just recognized that over and over in my life. I'm so surprised He hasn't cut me off yet. If I was God, I'd be like, Josh, you're a stinking loser, right? You, you're not faithful. Everybody thinks you're faithful, but I know who you are. You're not. I call to you all the time and you don't come. I just want you to spend time in the Word with me. You continually go back to the same sins which I've told you are going to destroy your life. You continually decide to do your own thing when I'm trying to guide you and direct you the right way. You want your own life. That's what I would say to me. I'm happy I'm not God. You know what God says to me? Oh, Joshua, my grace and my mercy is sufficient. I will never leave you. I will be patient with you till the very end. Even if it takes 20 years, I will wait for you. If you turn from me and walk away even now, I will wait for you 10 years until you turn back. I will be sitting here waiting for you to pick up the phone. I love you. I died for you. I want you to have life in that abundantly. I want you to have peace. I want the best for your life. That's what God's saying to us. He's not a big meanie in the sky. He's not. He's a great king. That's why I will bow the knee to him every day for the rest of my life. I will bow the knee to the one and only true God. There is none. I will not bow to anything else. I may turn my back on God. But I promise you this, that I will turn back as fast as I recognize I have turned my back on Him. And you can hold me to that, please. If I ever walk away from God, you come up to me and just look me in the face. You said one time, you would never walk away from God. Call me out. I want it. I need it. It is the truth. God has not cut us off, verse 19, but look at verse 20. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of a singing declared, Ye this, tell this, utter it even unto the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord has redeemed His servant Jacob. This is prophecy going forth, if you didn't know. Because this actually happens. It says, go, go from the Babylonians. Get out. Run from the Chaldeans. They're in captivity right now and they're going to be, they will be set free from the Babylon, from, from Babylon. And it says, Yes, say, sing this song. The Lord has redeemed His servant Jacob. Man, somebody needs to write a song right there. There's great lyrics. It says it right there. Sing it. The Lord has redeemed His servant. He set you free. He set us free, huh? Man, I'm so happy I'm set free. Look at verse 21. And they thirsted not when He led them through the deserts, He caused the waters to flow from the rocks for them. You see that? Look, that may not be anything incredible to the person who was raised in the church, the the average Christian, but hey, to somebody who maybe wasn't raised in the church, you read this? Look what God did for them. They did not go thirsty when they were in the desert. They went through hard times, and they did not go thirsty. What did God do so that they wouldn't go thirsty? He broke open a rock and water poured out. Huh? Huh? Yeah, what if I walked up to a rock and said, watch this, guys, I'm going to break this open and water's going to come out. Yeah, that's funny, Josh. Funny, okay? When you do that, um, yeah, hell will freeze over, right? It ain't going to happen. 
Isn't it amazing how God always does things that are incredibly supernatural? Like he doesn't go like, what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, a little pond is going to develop over here. Like it's going to rain and all of a sudden, you know, like a big lake will develop and that's where your water will be. No, he says, nah, I'll take the most radical thing you can't even imagine happening. I will bring water forth from a rock. You ever looked at a rock and think water is going to come forth? Never, never. You never think that way. Okay? Look what God has done. He says, you will not go thirsty. Hey, hey, family, this is good application. Are you ready? We're about to close this down. Don't miss this application. Are you thirsty? Are things a little dry in the desert? And it seems a little impossible for God to bring forth water in your life? Get ready. Because that rock will break forth and water will gush out like you can't even imagine. You stay tuned. You stay focused on the things of God. He doesn't know how to fail His people. No, He doesn't. You listen. You stay focused. I'm thirsty, Josh. I'm dying. My mouth is dry. You're not going to die. He's got you. Rent's due. He's got you. What about these bills? It's okay. The economy's bad. Who cares? I have God. When the desert gets dry, he will even do the crazy and break forth a rock to bring forth water. It's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. He will pull through in the unbelievable times, no matter how big the Red Sea, he will pull through. Yep, flowed from the rock for them, water, he claved to the rock also, and the waters gushed out. Verse 22, are you there? You there. This is big. Here's the closer. Bottom of the ninth, bases are loaded. Here comes the pitch. Knocks it out of the park. Verse 22, there is no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. Did you hear that? There is what? No, huh? What? There is no peace... Unto who? Who? The wicked. It's it's a very simple principle, but many will walk out of this room and not get it. Don't miss it. There is no peace to who? So the wicked cannot have what? Impossible, huh? Wicked and peace do not go together. If you're living in wickedness and striving after any kind, there will be no peace there, ever. What is the opposite of wicked? Righteous, right? Good. So the person who does good and does righteous will have what? Peace, right? Simple, black and white, piece of cake. But why will we walk out of this room and do wickedness? How many of you don't want peace? How many? Come on, get those hands up. You don't want peace. Come on, get them up. Get them up. Oh, nobody. Everybody likes peace. Peace is good. Peace is fun. I like peace. 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 (laughs) You like peace. Peace is good, right? You do a trick. I give you a treat. The dog knows. The dog gets it. Roll over. Treat. 
Do good. Peace. Don't do good. Do wicked and what? No peace. I know it's complicated. It is amazing how we will understand the simple truths of the Bible yet live contrary to them. We will walk out of this place recognizing that sin will bring us no peace, no rest. And we will walk that way. So when you walk that way, do not complain to God. When you set up your life for destruction, do not cry out, Why did you do this? Do not say that. For the wicked one has no peace. Look at Hollywood. It is clear. Wickedness, the Bible says the things that are being done there is wicked. And we see exactly what the repercussions are. No peace. Okay? It is the word of the Lord. This whole chapter is trying to paint a picture of what? That God is not a big jerk in the sky. He loves His people to death. Over my dead body, you're going to hell. Over my dead body, I laid down my life for you. God loves His people. He loves you tonight. He will never stop loving you. Even if everyone in the world turns their back on you, God will never ever turn his back on you. No matter how depressing, how much despair, it doesn't matter. He will be there for you. There's no one in the world like him. There's none like our God. And so we get to praise him tonight. I choose to take heed to the word of the Lord, and I hope that you would too, that we would not only be what? Hearers, but what? Doers of the word. Yes, family. Father, we ask... Lord, these simple principles, God, that we see over and over. God, a dog gets it right. And we can't. I pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally. Lord, it is impossible for someone who does not know, that does not know you, that does not have the Spirit of God, it is impossible for them to do right. And to even run from wickedness. They need your Spirit dwelling in them. For this flesh is weak. And this flesh desires to do wrong. The only way anyone can do start doing right is to have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. How do they get the Spirit of God? It is by bowing the knee to you as the Lord and King and Savior. The one who does right will have peace. But the one who does wicked will have no peace. And the one who is wicked has no Spirit of God dwelling in them. For the Spirit of God cannot dwell in wickedness. The Spirit of God dwells in light and righteousness. And it will only be where one has welcomed them into his life. And so I pray for this group here, Lord. If there are some here tonight who are not walking with you, who do not have the Spirit dwelling in them, I pray right now, God, as they acknowledge you and say, I believe you. I believe in you. You are my Lord. You are my Master. You are my King. Come into my life and change me. Give me your Spirit. Renew my spirit. Create it in me a clean heart. A renew right spirit within me, you pray. And you turn from your lifestyle and your wickedness. Whatever it may be, lying, stealing, cheating. Whether it be lust. Whether it be anger. Turning from those ways and seeking God with all of your heart. You will have peace. 
And so, Father, we lay our lives before you, and I lay this group before you, and ask that you would bless them and help them. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your Spirit. We need you to move in us and to help us to do what is right, King. Bless your people. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Want the best for you. I truly do. I don't want the enemy to rip you off or snatch you away, mess up your life. So please, walk in goodness. Walk with Jesus hand in hand. Amen? Stay close to the King. He loves you.